Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD on Twitter. You can follow me there. Go, go follow me there if you haven't already. And this is the show where we go over yesterday's slate, go over today's slate, today's slate. It's three games. And you never know. You never know. It could be three games. It could still be. It's, it's Who knows? It's a mess. We got some Kings stuff uh, that going on. Uh, I think that's the, that's the biggest news, right? Holmes is out. Barnes is out. So Kings may be popular today uh, on, on, on DraftKings. I'm probably on both sites. We'll, we'll take a we'll take a little look see at that, and uh, we talk about DFS strategy as always. I answer your questions in the YouTube chat. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit it, hit if you did thummy thumbs. Give me the thummy thumbs. You know you know why you do that because we got the apple juice back. We got the apple juice back, baby. A week's absence. I got the Minute Maid stuff. I got not the mango crap. Got the real the real good stuff. The Minute Maid apple juice, right? Uh, my wife went to went to Kroger yesterday. It's still icy and snowy here, and people are acting like it's the end of the world. So she went and she, I don't know how, but like several hundred dollars worth of groceries. We got food. We got supplies for a long time. Then I look, I look on the weather app, and like like four days, it's going to be sixty degrees here. So all that snow is going to be melted by then. Anyway, but I got the apple juice. So hit the thummy thumbs for the apple juice to keep it cold. Hit the uh, subscribe subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live uh, because uh, we go live here every 11, 11 in the morning, 11 in the morning. So if you have any questions about today's slate, who do you play? What would we don't know? We don't have no idea what's going to happen, right? Is it holiday questionable for the Bucks? We don't know about that yet. Who knows? Who knows what's going to end up happening? So, so your strategy questions, I'll, I'll answer anything. That's why I'm here. A lot of times I'm answering the same questions over and over again, but that's fine. If you have any questions about the tools here at Roto Grinders, because I'm going to show off some stuff. I got results DB. That's free. Got lineup HQ. Got our, got our initial projections. That's for premium members. You could sign up for premium by clicking on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month. And I'm always in the in the Discord also. You get the premium Discord. So if you want to bother me when, uh, when outside of the show, that's the best place to get in touch with me. I see all the people in the chat. Ricardo Ray and Go Sox Bro and Matt Mears, Trey McGray and FF Assassin, Al Marillo and J- Jamar Simmons and Meat, of course, Mr. Plow, Mr. Meat Plow is here, Kai Roach, Chandler Cannon. I see every everyone and everyone in the chat to go over uh, go over yesterday's slate, which uh, which was a success, was great on FanDuel and Yahoo, but not so much on DraftKings. So after a down day yesterday, we got the rebound. Nice little rebound here. So yeah, we were on a big rally before, but like FanDuel and Yahoo did great. I mean, even like the single entry GPP, like I was in the, the, the free roll, whatever, the VIP contest or whatever. So I just threw my line, threw my cash lineup into it and that ended up with an extra 500 bucks. So that, that was great on FanDuel. Yahoo crushed and DraftKings minus 62%, whatever. But up about... Uh, Looks like about 1700 on the day. So still, we're moving on up. We're moving on up. We're at all-time high, but we're getting back up there. Looking good for cash games. Still, I mean, FanDuel's carrying the load, but Yahoo's not doing that bad now, right? And even, you know, DK's in the green, so that I'm perfectly fine. Shrugging along with a 58% win rate, 10% daily churned ROI, $17,405. Pretty good. Pretty good uh, about two months into the season. That's, that's, that's pretty good for me. 
if I could if I could double my money, double my initial investment two months into the season, that that's pretty good, right? Right? You're not gonna make you're not gonna make millions playing cash games or whatever, but grind out some grind grind out some coin, right? Grind out some grind out some coin. So yesterday, uh, basically yesterday, okay, with the chalk yesterday was essentially the 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 Sixers, the Celtics, and Isaiah Roby, right? Because we had because uh, Kemba sat, Smart was already out, uh, Tice is out, so like Robert Williams became chalky, didn't do as well as the day before, seventeen point two five. And then obviously Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum because they're going to carry the load for the Celtics with all those guys out. And then we had uh, the the Philly news with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons was sick, so he got ruled out. So put other Tobias Harris, Seth Curry. They both did well. A lot of people went to Tyrese Maxey. I I didn't. Uh, when when he was not announced starting, I I mean they they announced the starting lineup of what Curry. It was Curry Green. Who else was out there? Curry Green. I'm miss. I'm missing a wing. Who am I? Who am I missing? Curry Green, Harris, Embiid, and someone else. Someone else was out there. Tybal. Oh, okay. How did he? How do you miss uh, Matthias Tybal? Okay, but he doesn't really do much. So he he must have been on something. Okay, six percent. Right. He typically doesn't do all that much. Oh, but he got 19 points, and he was he was owned by some 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 players so yeah so Tybal was out there so like Maxi didn't really get in didn't really play that many minutes I think he ended up playing like 10 minutes in the game so uh but he was very owned you see you see the even the difference between some of these top GPP players like yeah he Hafner all right tons of Ma- Maxi giant squid tons of Maxi and then like forsaken like no Petty theft, I don't think so. Chipotle attic, like one lineup, whatever. But for 12, I mean, he was he was low price. He was 3,200. So, I mean, if you played him in cash, I guess that that was fine. But really, you're going after Curry, Harris, and Embiid uh, on, the, on the Sixers. And then Isaiah Roby, because uh, Horford was out and Roby started. Would have been a little bit different if Mascala started. But once you saw Roby started, you know, you, you know he was going to get the minutes. So like that was like the chalk construction. Then how you differentiated from there, you could have gone a ton of different ways. I mean, I, I went with John ja, ja Morant. So I mean, we got some ownership there, right? Jokic, right? We had that Nuggets. The Nuggets actually went the other way yesterday, right? We like okay, the Nuggets, Monty Morris may be out, and all the other guys are out. So like okay, let's go back to. Jokic and Murray and Campazzo, you know, those types of guys. And then they ruled in Monty Morris is in and Gary Harris was in. So Harris started. So you had Murray, Harris, Porter, Green, Jokic. And it really kind of took away some of the value from the Nuggets, but still Jokic was top center play. But it's kind of hard to play. Like if you're playing Robert Williams, Jokic or Embiid, like it was one of those... You were either making constructions where you're playing a cheap center and an expensive center or not playing the cheap center, playing two, like a Jokic Embiid type of lineup. So we take a look here, the difference in the center ownership. 12 for Bills fan, 12% for Williams, 16 for Jokic, 16 for an Embiid. So this is a place to get leverage. So where'd he go? 
Where did Bill's fan go? Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Got some Brogdon in the guard spot. No J-Val, no Capella. Here, Jared Vanderbilt going down. That's some Draymond. He got scratched two minutes after, after the game locked. Here, Tristan Thompson. There we go. There, there's that. There's the main form of leverage, which makes sense. Leverage on Robert Williams would be Tristan Thompson. That's like direct leverage. Wayne Ellington at shooting guard to get different. See, I'm, uh, That's what I look for, like Josh Hart down here for someone else. Wayne Ellington, another Wayne Ellington, another Wayne Ellington. But this is where you look. You look to get, where Where did you get leverage? Look, Jokic. Barely any Jokic. 45% Robert Williams. 20% Embiid. So center ownership had to win so, somewhere. So we get Zion here. Let's look at center ownership. Jay, Joval, Capella, Vanderbilt. Although most likely Vanderbilt was filling a power forward spot. Tristan Thompson. Obviously this Lou Will ownership is late swap ownership. Because we had Ka- Kawhi got ruled out. So most likely we're not playing Lou Williams at his price without Kawhi sitting and Kennard and out also. So that's where we got that. And it was only came in at 5%. It's kind of hard for him to not come in that this low because, you know, all your roster slots. I mean, many other lineups filled early with, you know, Sixers and and Celtics. But I like looking at the, the, the easiest place to get leverage yesterday was at center. Making a different construction. Not playing Robert Williams. Not playing Jokic or not playing Embiid. So we take a look at Robert Williams over here. So like a hub wrote the other way. A lot of Robert Williams, 82%. So where did he find leverage? See, so you see Robert Williams, Jokic. So it's kind of the chalk construction. Seth Curry. Robert Williams, Jokic, Seth Curry. So it's like, okay, well, sounds sounds like a chalk cash up. Where was the leverage? Some Brogdon at double the field. Tybal. So basically Tybal over Maxi, I guess. He's still at 20% Maxi. That's some DeLon Wright. Didn't realize he was going to be 19% down. But whatever. Looking down, looking down. Not a lot of balance bills. Jaden, Jaden McDaniels, I guess. A little bit. Jordan McLaughlin. We got some some Timberwolves. Yeah, Timberwolves were were barely owned yesterday. A little bit Sabonis who put up eighty three points. I mean, take a look at Sabonis, and amongst all the all the players that I that I brought up, like no one has him basically. Eleven percent here for Hishbu, and ten percent, six percent. We're talking about giant squid. He was overpriced. But this is what I like doing. This is what I do every morning. I say this. This is literally what I'm doing. I didn't, I, I, I brought this up five minutes before the show. This is what I would do at 11 o'clock in the morning. Oh, okay. That was an interesting way to go. Right? I knew I knew Forsaken wasn't going to play Tyrese Maxey. I mean, I knew that already. So it's like, where did he get different? Okay, Jokic at 73. Roby at 90. Okay, that fills up the power forward spot. Robert Williams... 30%, 37%. Are we getting, okay, are we getting a beat at 30%? 
Any other centers? I mean, kind of fill all the center spots right there. Semi Ojale, I guess. Power forward. Jordan McLaughlin. Dylan Brooks. Cousins. Okay, there, there's one. Cousins. We can see the we can see Bills fan went heavy on Cousins. Trying to see where the left Garrett Temple at shooting guard. Okay. A little bit of none. So getting a lot more rotation on the guards. So based based on this ownership, you're going to see, yeah, it's mostly chalk construction. Maybe even Roby in the center spot over Robert Williams in some of these lineups. And then you still have some Jokic and some Embiid. Okay. Okay. And then rotating the guards. Because under, Forsaken went under on Seth Curry. Well, not under. I mean, technically over, but compared to other people. Didn't have much Jimmy Butler. Okay. Those lineups make sense. Same for Petty Theft. So Petty Theft went under on Roby and no Maxi. So now I'm looking for like Danny Green, 50%. Jared Vanderbilt, Tristan Thompson, Lou Williams for late swap. Wayne Ellington, that's that that's that's that shooting guard spot. To, for it not to be a sixer. Like, how do I play a shooting guard without it being a sixer? That was that strategy there with Wayne Ellington. Darius Baisley. Serge Ibaka, who didn't get enough. I don't know. They, I don't know. They just don't give him minutes. I don't know why. More Garrett Temple. Yeah, just whoever fits in. Patrick Beverly. He had probably a late swap. I mean, Patrick Beverly didn't project well before Kawhi being out. Reggie Jackson. Yeah, so so basically, basically petty theft. You know, took advantage of late swap as much as possible and started jamming in clippers into the spots that he could. Because obviously, when you have eighty-eight percent Tobias Harris and eighty-nine percent Jason Tatum, your your optionality is kind of limited in in most of your lineups. From you know to pay up anywhere, right, and also the position, right, because you're playing Tobias Harris power forward, forward power forward. Tatum is small forward, power forward. So like anyone that's like forward eligible only, much harder in the late swap. Although obviously the players that you play from the Clippers are probably going to be guards anyway. Okay. That makes a bit of sense. But this is what I like doing. I don't know why people don't do this more. It gives you, it gives you insight on how to build lineups that still project well, still, still chalk. I mean, it's still, it's not like no one's fading. People are fading like all the chalk. You're not going to see a player. You're not going to see one of these users where you see red, like you could sort this field function. You could sort by ownership in the, the large field contest. Like you're not going to see, you're not going to see guys. Yeah. You'll maybe see, Oh, they didn't play any of Tyrese Maxey. Okay. But you're not going to see red, like four slots. Oh, they faded everyone. And they played some low, you know, played 80% of some 2% on guy. No, it still contains some of the better projected plays on the slate. But then how do you get different? And you can get different in multitude of ways. None of the ways are right or wrong, just how. So to think in those terms, when you think too much in the terms of, I got to play this guy and I got to play that guy, you narrow the range of the types of lineups that you could make. So the more that you look at results DB after slates in the morning, the more you can see, oh yeah, you're right. I could have built those types of lineups. Oh yeah, I could have built those types of lineups. Doesn't matter whether or not they succeeded. Doesn't matter. 
This allows you to now look at the forward-looking slates, today's slate, tomorrow's slate, and go, okay, this is more likely to be the chalk construction. How could I get different? Oh, I could do this, or mm, let's see, I could do that. Oh, I could do this. Oh, how, is anyone going to think of doing this? There could be a hundred of those. But once you, once you, once you, once you limit yourself by thinking in terms of plays, who do I have to play? The players. You forego thinking about thinking in terms of, of lineup constructions. Well, I gotta play Roby, and I gotta play Williams, and I gotta play Max. Well, you you're gonna be building the same lineups as everyone else. How, how are you going to differentiate yourself in a, in a field of, of what, 39,000 entries? You're not. Right. I mean, take a look at the winning lineup, single bullet. Demonte Sabonis. I mean, you print that 5% owned Sabonis going for 83. I mean, of course, that game went to overtime, of course. Well, Bill's fan came in second. This looks like a normal lineup. Murray. Curry, Tatum, Green, Thompson, Lillard, who put up a hell of a game. Basically, the 2% owned DeMarcus Cousins. And we got him there. Jacob Michael Green actually had a decent game. Right? Didn't even need. Didn't even didn't need Sabonis. I mean, yeah, he came in seven and a half points underneath. But this is, this is a reasonable lineup. Right? Take a look. X Rallius. This is a reasonable lineup. Yeah, Gobert, 2% owned, 55 points. And Sabonis, 5%, 83 points. And then just get raw points. Even Robert Williams, 17 points was fine. You don't have to get nuts. Just You have to get just a bit different. Be Hafner's best lineup. Right, this looks normal. Tybal for value, whatever. Okay, over Maxi. Play Mari Kari, Harris, Thompson. Basically, Gobert's 55 points got him there. Morant had a good game, right? There you go. These don't look like these don't look like, like nutso lineups. But obviously, they don't contain Robert Williams or Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid. They're different than them. Bills fan, right? Still. DeMarcus Cousins up here. Hishbu's best lineup. Had Mike Muscala in it. Had nothing owned. But then the rest looks looks pretty, pretty normal. Sabonis. Low-owned Sabonis. Chipotle Attic. Here's a Robert Williams lineup. Doesn't look that nuts. Nate Damien Lillard. J. Michael Green. Danny Green. Yeah, okay. The ownership isn't like out of control. Look, this is the, we're in the top 25 of the, the 39,000 entries. A Hubro. It's a Savonis lineup. And Jokic. Gotta get cheaper elsewhere. Is it just me? These lineups don't look like stupid. They look they look normal. They look okay. You could do that. Looks good to me. Sometimes people overthink things. I got to play four 1% on guys. No, you don't. Play lineups that project well, that have lower ownership. That's it. Why'd you know Sabonis was going to do well? Who knows? It's the Sabonis. It's a 10 game slate and barely anyone's playing him. So I'll play him. End of the story. That's it. Is he going to put up 83 points today? Who knows? But if he does, is every, every, 
opportunity to. When you get studs, when you get good players, I'm more likely to play a good player at low ownership than a bad player at low ownership. Right? Oh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna play Furkan Korkmaz because he's gonna come in low owned. No, I'd rather play I'd rather play Steph Curry. I'd rather play. There's tons of other guys on the slate. I mean, if we take a look at take a look at ownership here, let's toggle full screen. We'll go by search players. Let's go by fantasy. We can't sort by fantasy points. We could look like John Wall, Lillard, fifteen percent. We go down to like the two percent range. You find good players. Right? Carl Anthony Towns was 1% owned, 1.5%, but up 53 points. DeMarcus Cousins, I mean, he, he got there. Rudy Gobert was 2% owned. Slow mo, Kyle Anderson, he shows up every once in a while. He was 2% owned. Russell Westbrook was 2.9%. I mean, like, these are good players. I'm not talking about garbage players. Vooch was 4% owned. Bam was 43%, was 4% owned. Steph Curry was 5% owned. Sabonis, 5%. SGA, 5%. Randall, 5%. So you don't have to go down here and look like, how do I play? Um, should I play Grant Williams or something? Should I play Derek Favor? Like, you don't have to look at these guys. Maybe today, maybe maybe it's a Denny Advija day or whatever. No, you don't have to. I'm going to play. I'm going to play. I'm going to play Wendell Carter coming. I mean, he could, but there are plenty, there are plenty of, of superstar players on large slates, especially that go under owned because everyone's playing Jason Tatum or Jimmy Butler or Toby Harris. So, well, instead of playing those guys, I'm going to play this guy. Well, it's a bad matchup. So who cares? The projection difference is like two points from a median perspective. But the ownership is like six to one. So go find those guys and then still play and then jam in the chalk. Don't have to worry about finding the weird $3,200 guy that no one has. You may be able to hit with that once in a blue moon, but in the long run, I think it's a losing strategy. You don't have to do that. Okay, looking through the YouTube chat. Hit the thumbs up button. Give me the thummy thumbs. Keep the apple juice cold. This is the good stuff. This is the good stuff. This is the, this is the brand name apple juice. Let's see. Going through the YouTube chat. Do, 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 do. Eric Johnson asks, Blender, do you ever drink orange juice? Once in a while, the citric acid, I, I have acid reflux. So a lot of the citric acid, you know, interferes with that. I'll drink, I'll drink it like if uh, you go out somewhere and you're having, you know, breakfast or whatever, I'll have, a, I'll have some orange juice. But it's not something I keep around the house. Oh, let's see. Let's see. 
Where do I find Results DB? Results DB is at rotogrinders.com slash Results DB. In the mornings, they update contests. So if for some reason, you're not getting it to load properly, to give it a minute or two. I think they were golf locked early this morning. So they have to import. It's a, it's a manual process. It's a mix between a manual and an automated process. So typically the, the NBA contests are updated in the morning before this show to some extent. Right, a lot of times it's 10 o'clock and it's not updated yet. So I have to wait till like 10.30 Eastern in the morning. But it also depends what's going on. Golf typically locks like 6, 6 a.m., 8 a.m., something like that on Thursdays. So there's more contests to pull in. So it's like during the slate, it, it's not as updated. It's best to leave it to the morning. Don't worry about it until the morning. We'll let, let it all update. Uh, let's see. Card fan, yesterday your ROI on FanDuel and Yahoo Cash was 110%. Did your contest selection follow what's on your tracking sheet or did you make some tweaks based on the slate and the lineups? No, like I said before, I I entered that, uh, there's every month they do with like a FPP free roll, whatever on FanDuel, right? And since I only, I, I'm only playing my cat, I'm only playing one lineup. I'm playing cash games there. So like on FanDuel, what I will do is I'll enter like the $25 and one, which is a GPP, but it's a small field under a thousand people. So if my cash lineup ends up being a great lineup and, you know, maybe I could come in some of the top spots there. It gives me some upside, but 25 bucks when I'm playing 1830 just captures a little bit of the upside. I mean, that's, that's why these percentages are just like, that's why I put the squiggly line, the tilde that's about so about 60% head-to-heads, about 35% to double-ups. And the triple-ups, when I say 5% triple-ups, that's like triple-ups plus. Quintuple-ups. It could be a small single-entry GPP, right? Sometimes if, on DraftKings, if I'm just playing cash, I may, end, I may enter that lineup into like the smaller, like 166-person uh, $100 showtime. So obviously, if you come in high there, you're – your ROI is going to be over hundred percent, right? So that's really, that's, that's what ended up happening. Like on Yahoo, I do the same thing. I play one lineup, but when there's overlay late, like five minutes before lock, sometimes these, the, the GPPs they have there, which are still smaller GPPs, there's still like 300 spots left in them or something. You know, there's, there's, you know, positive, either overlay or there's going to be a rate reduction. So when I see like a $5, 23 man GPP, that's like 17 of 23 and there's two minutes to go. Like, okay, I'm entering that. So if I obviously, if I win that, I'm not going to just double my money. I'm going to, you know, that's going to be, it's going to be a five or six X. So that all adds up. I do the same thing on, on all the sides, but it doesn't make up a bulk of the volume. Most of it is in head to heads and double up 50, 50 type contest. That's, that's the main reason. I mean, that's even when it's like 99%, like that still that encapsulates, you know, a three X cash and some small field GPP or something like that. I mean, we had one day, but there was like a 200. Yeah. Look at DraftKings night slate, right? 262% ROI. Cause it was the night slate and I just entered into everything. And there was like a GP, whatever GPP would, they were running for that night slate. Well, my cash lineup was almost the nuts. 
So, but I mean, if they're going to overlay at the right, that, that's that's what I look for. But that's that's the that's the main reason. I'm still adhering to the same type of contest selection, but I'm going to chase over if, if if overlay is available, I'm going to take it. Right, I'll go a little over. Like tonight it should be on a three game slate. I'll probably cut down, but still 3,700 or so. But if there's less cotton, like what ends up happening on three game slates is you know there's less action in the lobby. So maybe I don't get to 3,700. I'm not going to force it. But then there are some slates where you get to your allocation and, and the, it's a half an hour before lock and there's still tons of contests that aren't filling. You're like, well, okay, I'm going to just go over my allocation. I'm going to, I'm going to train. I'm going to put in my cash lineup as a train in some GPP because it's overlaying by 20%. Is it, is it the best thing to do EV? No, not the maximum EV, but if you're not, if you're, if they're giving you money to play because it's overlaying, then to me, there's no harm. Let me min cash and that's fine. So that's what I'm doing late, right before lock. Obviously making the lineups, but then finding the contests towards the end. You can find little here, little there. There's, It's 30 seconds to go and there's a $25 double up. That's only 18 of 22. And you're looking, it's 20 seconds left, and 10 seconds left, and five, five seconds, four, th- and you, I'm entered. If you get that, if you get that, if you get that under 20, then that they're good. They're, it's positive expected value now, no matter what you do. So the two, the first two is like the rake. So if it was 19 of 22 and you entered, it would be like rake free contest. What's wrong with that? So I don't mind. So that's the reason why there are fluctuations like that. Going through the YouTube chat. Go through the YouTube chat. I always say this because uh, there are people that listen to the podcast, right? I don't want dead air. I don't want the people listen on the podcast. Hi, podcast people. You hear me? Rate and review it on iTunes because you can listen to this later. Go search for the Roto Grinders pregame show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. It's typically a search feature or something. It gets posted later. Devin, who's behind the scenes, the greatest producer of all mankind, he takes care of all of that. So I don't. So you can post it uh, you know, half an hour after the show or whatever. You want to w- listen to it later, watch it later on YouTube. Perfectly fine. Brian C. asks, how much of my bankroll should I be used to bet daily if I wish to grow it? Well, 100%. I mean, that, that would be, you could do it that way. Your risk of ruin is nearly 100% also, but that's that's the balance. It all depends on what your edge is. If you're negative, if you're a losing player, there's no bankroll management. There's no nothing that you could do. Just a matter of how do you, how do you lose it slower? So you have to determine your edge. This is what's called the Kelly criterion. Look it up. Look it up on. Uh, look it up on you Google or YouTube. There are videos about the Kelly formula. Now the problem with the Kelly formula in DFS is that it's very hard to determine what your exact edge is on a specific slate. You could ballpark it, I guess, overall, but it depends on what types of contests that you're playing. GPPs are going to be the highest variance. 
You're going to need to have a lot of cushion in your bankroll to survive the swings of GPP play. Cash play, not as much. I think you, if, if, you're, if you're a profitable cash game player in DFS, you can play 10%. I mean, that's exactly what I'm doing. Right? You could play 10%. GPPs, I would never play 10%. GPPs, you could you could lose the three months straight. Yeah, you're playing 10%, 10%, but by the time you get down three months later, you're down to a dollar, right? And then you're, you're playing 10 cents. But, but yeah. But you have to be a profitable player first. People try to put the cart before the horse, right? You have to, you have to, you have to, you have to be the horse. Max Coach One asks Plender, "Do you play the showdown contests? Not until the playoffs." And I could. I'm only one person, right? If I if I'm if I if I'm not going to go in knowing that I have an edge and I'm going to put 100 percent of effort into it, then I just don't do it. Am I leaving money on the table? I probably am leaving money on the table. But that's but, but that's my choice. Just like, oh, why don't you play 150 lineups here and 2,000 lineups there? And why aren't you playing MMA at the same time as soccer and on the same day? And then you're also playing college basketball, even though you don't know what the hell's going on there. Like at, at some point there's diminishing returns of like, I, I don't want to do 17 things mini, mediocre. Even if I could end up becoming profitable, I'd rather focus on certain things at certain times. That's that's just my personality. I know plenty of people. I have no problem. Just I'm playing everything. I'm not. Uh, let's see. Jonathan Loriano asks, have you read The Biggest Bluff by Maria Konnikova? It's on my to-do list. I mean, most of the stuff that it's going to be in her book, I already know. I mean, it's her learning how to play poker. And I already I already know how to play poker. But yes, I mean, because she got coached by Eric Seidel. It's on my, there's so much, there's so much content, people, right? Dude, come on. I only said, there's tons of shows I haven't even seen yet. Right? There's stuff in my Netflix queue that's been there for two years. I'll get around to it sometime. So much this only only so much time that you have. Gerald Miller asks, hate to ask, but I play a lot of tiers tournaments. Seems like a crapshoot. Any strategy advice? Correlation. I think tiers, what most people don't do is, is correlate properly. Because you can, because you're such limited to that to whatever tier they're in. I don't play NBA tiers, but I would play some NFL tiers. So the thing is, is that, you know, you know, it's so much easier to find leverage in tiers because you're limited to only the players that are there. Can we, br- can we bring up a tiers contest? Do we, do we have, do we have tiers going on? Showdown, pick them. Is it called pick them? Yeah, I guess so. So here, let's go to tiers. Rarely talk about tiers. So we go based on our thrift. Do we have any updated projections for this? 3.12 a.m.? Okay, I guess. Our initial algorithmic projections. Who knows? So we can just sort by fantasy points because that's all that matters in tiers. The value doesn't matter. Just score the most points. 
So I got Giannis, Harden, LeBron here. So Giannis is by far the, you know, the if, if we had a cash lineup, right? It would just be Giannis, who's the highest Irving, Middleton, Heald, Hero, and Whiteside. Okay. Now we take a look at this and go Sacramento, Miami, right? Get some Giannis Irving. Like this would be like the cash lineup. Doesn't mean you can't win or something like that. But you take a look at where could you find leverage? Tons of people are going to play white side in the T6, tier six. Who would be negatively correlated to that? Mar Marvin Badley, right? Because they're both sharing the same court at the same time. So you have to think of like, what's the ownership going to be on white side versus Bagley? Or you could keep it like this and then get different and not play, not play Giannis. So let's say instead of playing Giannis, you play Harden. Do you really want to play Harden and Irving together? Probably not. So now you're going to go to tier two and go, what makes sense here? The rest of my lineup. Maybe play, let's say you play De'Aaron Fox. And because you're playing De'Aaron Fox, you don't want to play Buddy Heald. Right? So you go here and you play, you already have a Brooklyn guy, you're playing Kuzma here. And there you go. There's a GPP lineup. You found leverage. This would be a large field tiers GPP lineup. Playing a Brooklyn, Laker. So playing Middleton, and then you're playing a Sacramento Fox, white side hero. I mean, it's a three-game slate, so you're most likely going to be, you know, stacking something, you sides of a game or something like that. But that's the mindset of when you go through. Like, what's what's going to be the chalk? How do I get different? It's the same thing as classic slates. It's easier. Tears is easier to see because you only have so many options. You barely have any options. So there's there's a strategy for some tiers. It's the same thing. All these games are the same. DFS is the same. Doesn't matter if it's tiers. Doesn't matter if it's showdown. Doesn't matter if it's classic. Doesn't matter if it's whatever sport it is. It's all it's all the concepts are always going to be the same. That's why I put all the concepts into a course. The theory of daily fantasy sports, 15 hour audio course. It's me and James McCool teaching you how to play DFS as a game, as a game, the game theory of DFS. So go to theoryofdfs.com and pick that up. Almost all the questions that get asked here, it's based on the concepts that are in, they're in this course that we didn't make up. This isn't like the, we didn't invent game theory. Game theory has been around. How does it apply to DFS? It applies to every sport. You still think, even if you're playing tiers, you're still thinking in the same way as you would for classic. You have much, you have much more restrictions now. It makes it, e it makes it even easier to think because your options are so limited. So if you want to practice implementing concept like this, maybe, maybe you do play tiers. Right? The less options you have, maybe the easier you could see where to find leverage. Oh, people are going to do this. I'm going to do that. People are going to play these three guys together. I don't think that's, that's wise. 
So I'm going to do the opposite of that. You can make plenty of lineups that way. So maybe, maybe, that, maybe that is a good tip. If you're getting used to some of these game theory concepts, to play tiers. Prize pools aren't that great. But I think I think you could I think you could see those concepts easier in tiers than in eight eight guys classic, right? You go, okay, well, how about this lineup? And I could choose here, and there's multiple positional eligibility. Right? It obfuscates some of the, the concepts. So it's that you have to think in terms of lineups and not players. Let's go through the YouTube chat. Al Marillo asks, what's your recommendation on the slate this small when it comes to bankroll management and contest selection? More cash for more GPPs. Depends on your risk tolerance. Remember, the smaller the slate, the less options you have, but also the less options other people have. So there's more likely to be overlap. So the variance will be higher. So me personally, I don't play, I typically do not play much volume on smaller slates because the variance is higher. But I'm looking to eke out an investment. My risk, my, my risk profile is I'm, I'm more risk averse than most people. But on the smaller slates, like there, there is an edge in building like liners for large field GPPs. Like more, more like it, I treat them more like showdown, if anything. To me, large slates are good for like everything. Short, short slates, two game slates. I'll build five lineups for a large field GPP, and they'll be not so lineups. They'll be lineups that most likely are not duplicated. Most likely, they don't win. But the best shot at first place, I play, you, you play it like showdown. Just understand that the swings are going to be ridiculous. So I don't play the high volume. They, I even said when I was mentioning before with my, my, my cash bankroll, I'm like, okay, based on my allotment, I should be playing 10% per day. Do I want to play 3,700? Do I want to play the same volume I played yesterday or so? On a 10-game slate, do I want a three-game slate? No. So it may not come in at 3,700, maybe 3,000. If I find soft action. Now, obviously on larger slates, the contest selection is much better. Smaller slates, not as much. But I'm, So I'm not going to force in $3,700 worth of action. I'm not going to take $50 head-to-heads from other sharp players just, just to satisfy some random number when the overlap is going to be so high and the margins are going to be so slim. It depends on your risk tolerance. If the if you don't mind embracing that amount of variance and you want to try to get lucky, go for it. If you think you have an edge, don't don't tell me to stop. I'm not gonna stop stop you. Don't let me stop you. Let's see. Let's get a couple of more questions before we get out of here. So what can we talk about on a three-game slate? Really? Look, I'm going to build 20 liners. We don't even have projections updated. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Get some Corey Joseph, Hassan Whiteside, Giannis. Yeah, come on. 
Andre Iguodala, we're going to have to play him. Who knows what's going to happen, right? We got this Kings to worry about. But who knows? Giannis could sit for all we know. We don't, we have no idea. Is Drew Holiday going to play? Do we have Drew Holiday? I don't think, I think we have Drew Holiday out of the projections. Isn't he listed as questionable? Or is he going to be out? He's probably going to be out, but who knows? Chris Galligan says, I find GPPs to be more steady than cash games. Does that mean I'm building non-winning GPP lineups? I Probably. Pro- I, I would guess so. That you at least get the concept. I, I like the question. It, it's more steady, yes. But it's you're bleeding your money away. If you're if you're not getting steady, if you're not steady in cash games, that means you're just a bad cash game player. And if you're a bad cash game player, you're probably a bad GPP player also. I would I would be I would be alarmed. GPP play should not be steady. You shouldn't be like, oh well, look, I min cashed a bunch of my lineups. Like, no, it should be like, oh. I have a sweat for first place or I'm closing the laptop. It should be more like that. More like no, no, whoever, no Sabonis, no cash. And I don't got him. Okay. Losing day. No way it could win. It feels better to be like, oh, I put in a hundred bucks and I got a hundred and ten. I put in a hundred bucks and I only, I only lost 30. You do that over time. You're just going to bleed your money away. Let's see. Jonathan Loriano. So until I am a profitable player, what should my cash game bankroll be? You want the truth? It should be zero. If you're not a profitable player, you shouldn't be playing at all. I mean, that's 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 the literal truth. There's nothing that'll save you. If you're playing, the reason that you'd be playing is to learn. And hopefully learn for as little money as possible. And once you show that you could turn a profit, then 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 you raise the stakes, then you up, whatever. So if you're not a profitable player, there's no allocation. There's what should it be? It should be you quit. I mean, that's literally that's that's the answer. That mathematically, that's the answer. I I've been playing for five years and my ROI is minus eight percent. What should I do? Quit. I mean, that's Get better. Well, what should my allotment be? Should I do like it? Doesn't nothing you do is going to change the fact that you're that you're an unprofitable player. You can't go to a roulette wheel and go, well, what's the best way to bet? There's no there's no way for you to beat this game. It's a negative expectation game. And well, if I place a bet here and then I place a bet, it yeah, it makes you feel better or something, or makes you lose slower. It doesn't turn you into profitable anything. It's an illusion. So I know it's not the answer that people want to hear, but you need to you need to work on becoming a profitable player. Play the lowest stakes you can. Play limited volume until until you can prove that, and then you can, then 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 you move on up. Even me, five and a half years ago, it, I didn't just jump in. I'm. $3,700 a slate. Are you kidding me? I was playing with like 400 bucks. I was, I was playing quarter contests. I was playing dollar contests. I didn't, 
I was learning the game. And once I showed after about six months, I'm like, oh, I think I'm getting this. My ROI is going up. I'm profitable. So now I'm going to move up to the next level. Now I'm going to go up a little bit higher. Can I do it there? Can I go into another sport? Okay, I got to I got to I got to learn MLB. So I'm going to be playing the quarters. I'm going to play the dollar contests. Play that for a while. Still going to be here. The invest is not going away. This is not the last last slate of ever. I mean, people act like that a lot of times. Oh my god, I'm losing. It's like, well, is the invest is it all done after today? There's another slate tomorrow. There are multiple slates tomorrow. Multiple sports. It's every day. So it's like, well, I don't want to play for only quarters because then then I miss it. No, well, you have to prove to yourself that you're profitable. That would be the prudent thing to do. Are you going to do it that way? It's your money. You could do do whatever you want. JG Wentworth, right? It's your money. Do what you want with it. Whatever, whatever that commercial is. Right? He's on the bus. JG Wentworth. It's in it's whatever whatever the number is. I don't know. Am I going nuts? People know that commercial. Those commercials. But you could do whatever you want with your money. But truthfully, that's the answer. Let's see. Daniel Hutchins says, I don't enjoy playing main slates because I like to be done at lock and don't want to mess with late swap. But that's where the edge is. If you're not late swapping, you and you... You're just giving up a ton of edge. You may even be just negative EV altogether. Let's see. Nick Zabel says, my best decision when starting off of $1 triple up and $2 double up until I was able to make one solid lineup consistently. Yes. That's great. That's what you should be doing. That that's that would be the prudent thing to do. I know DFS has a lot of degenerates. I know you like gambling it up, but truthfully, you have to admit that that's the prudent thing to do. Start small. Proof of concept. You see that in business world. Right? Oh, we're we're gonna open up this business and we're gonna sell all these things and we're gonna get a lease here and then the next thing you know, it's like no one wants to buy your stuff. Oh, you spent uh, two and a half million dollars, you know, with the warehouse and all the stuff and you got everything there and then no one wants your stuff. Like, no, you need the proof of concept first. Get a little stand, walk around town, say, hey, you want my thing? But you prove the concept, then, then, then you start building. Jacob Calloway says, had my first five-figure day at NBA yesterday. Thanks for all the content. Yeah, give the thummy thumbs, Jacob Calloway, for a Five figure, first five figure, onto the next, onto your first six figure. It's all it's all in the eye of the beholder. David Sanchez says started fantasy cash games a couple of days ago, up fifty bucks. Nothing much, but I agree. Yeah, you're not you, if you're playing cash games, you're playing for the long run. Like look at look at look at what I'm doing in cash games. The, the, to me, cash games are, are are not interesting, right? It's like putting your money into a the Vanguard ETF, like just whatever. Then you could focus on the GPP play. 
But my goal, my goal is to triple my money. Can I put in 20,000 and by end of the season get 60,000? $40,000 return. Oh, there you go, done, okay, I'm fine. Any, any profit is, is fine with me, but it's for the long run. So they're gonna have big dips. I'm gonna have dips and gaps and whatever. Bull market, bear market, whatever. You're not going to just start playing cash games and like, oh my God, I have a million dollars. There's not enough edge there. There's barely any edge as it is. So can you, can, can you grind out 5%, 3 to 5% daily ROI? Why not? Better than the stock market. So why not do it? That's how I view cash games. Then you can focus on, you can focus on the big scores in the GPPs. DJA Dog 3K. Do we have the apple juice today? You know it. We got the apple juice back, baby. Got the apple juice. Minute made apple juice. I don't mind Mott's, though. It really, I don't even know if I could tell the difference. It makes me feel better that it's the brand name apple juice. I think the store brand one just would taste the same also. Like, I got the Kroger ones before. You could change the bottles. It's apple juice. How could, how could any apple juice taste different than one another? You can put this in any bottle. As long as it doesn't taste like mango. It's not like I don't mind the apple mango one. I just think it's false advertising. It's, it's It tastes like mango juice. It's not, it's not apple anything. So hit the thumbs up on the way out. You've kept my apple juice cold this morning. We got a slate tonight where the first game locks and then you've got to wait. It's two late games, one 7.30 game and then two 10 o'clock games. So get late swap ready. You never know. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, I'll be, I'm, I'm always in the, the premium discord for Rotogrind. So if you want to sign up, get lineup HQ, get the projections, get all of our content. Uh, crunch time, half an hour before lock. That's only for premium members with Roth and Meansy and Britt. And, oh, today is free. Devin just told me today's is free. Oh my God. Today's is free. So you can tune into YouTube, hit the notification bell to know when we go live. So you don't even think, hey, you get a sneak preview for free on a three game. It's because it's a crappy three game slate. That's the reason why we're doing it. Probably, right? We don't do that free, the, no, the free crunch time on, on good slates. No, crappy three game slates, but whatever. Go check that out. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and come back tomorrow as always, because I'm here. You know me, I'm here every weekday, Monday through Friday at 11 o'clock in the morning, Eastern time, for the DFS pregame show here on rotogrinders.com.